Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolute pleasure today to have an absolute superstar of a guest onto the Powercast, uh, Miss Hattie Boydell from Australia. So, thank you very much for coming on, Hattie. Thanks, Charlie. Do you know what? I love the way you say my name. What is that? <laughs> Hattie Boydell. Hattie Boydell. My dad's English. So, okay. yeah, it's just there's a, there's a certain way that my English friends pronounce my name. It's very proper. <laughs> and you say it like, yeah, <laughs> you say it very well. So anyone who doesn't know anything about Hattie, so which I imagine probably 99% of people in the fitness community probably will do, Hattie um, is a fellow Muscle Nation athlete, WBFF uh, world champion, and she's had an incredible transition from when she was younger, uh, previously in gymnastics, and I think suffering with some eating disorders from bulimia, and then becoming obviously world champion WBFF to women's icon, and going through a lot of different processes. So we're really gonna discuss your journey, probably the changes in mindset, and how your training and physique has developed over the years, and try and pass on some knowledge to listeners who may be going through difficult times, perhaps, in terms of inspiration, yeah. uh, in particular with the COVID-19 lockdown at the moment. So um, if you give us a little bit of a brief intro into you and where it all started with yourself, Hattie, because I know obviously at the early days, uh, gymnastics was, was a big thing for you. Yeah, so, um... My parents put me into gymnastics when I was four years old because I couldn't stop climbing on things. And um, my dad was actually a gymnast and growing up, he was like very much my idol. Um, so, no, I was really lucky um, and I feel very grateful that my parents put me into gymnastics at such a young age because, man just taught me so many things. It taught me movement. It taught me discipline. It taught me um, competition. It taught me strength, agility, power, like repetition. You know, like I spent most of my childhood up onto my early teens training. You know, I trained up to 32 hours a week at one point and, um, you know, that's more training than what I do in a competition prep. And I think, you know, competition prep's hard work. So, um, but, you know, it was my, my passion. And um, I was really lucky, actually, something that I look back like a lot on now, um, Charlie, is that I was surrounded by women, really amazing women. Um, and it taught me, you know, to, to grow as an individual but to work together as a, as a team, you know, strength in numbers. We knew that as individuals, you know, we could win, um, you know, our, our own performance, but it was everyone together united that would have, you know, the team bond and that would have the winning team. And that's kind of how I base like my sports model project, which is my online business now off that, you know, having a, a team of women that support each other. And I really did reflect back and go, well, I had that in gymnastics. So I was able to thrive, um, you know, as an individual, but also thrive in a team. And, and um, gymnastics very much was like a very safe place for me. Um, I got bullied in primary school, uh, at school, and then I'd go to gymnastics and I had friends. So it really was... Um, a place where I could thrive in so many different ways. And I'm so grateful for it. Like a safe zone almost. Escape. Mm. Yeah. 
it's interesting because yeah. I think even probably as a, a child then you were using exercise probably as an escape from the world which is how a lot of people use fitness and training now which for a lot of people has been taken away to some degree and mm. it's, it's quite interesting how that was uh, probably in set in view from the early days yeah and it's funny you say that because I've always you know I've always used training as an escape you know it's like that was my world it's 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 um you know training for all of us is is all about ourselves right we go to the gym for ourselves mostly to improve ourselves to to build our muscle or to build our strength or to build our fitness and it's a very selfish thing but not not in a bad way actually it's it's self-care well in my eyes it's self-care nowadays um but it really was a place that i felt safe in and even to this day you know you have a bad day you go to the gym you're feeling a certain way you go and you mobilize this energy of whatever you're feeling you go to the gym um and i just loved oh where are we i just love training i just love training so much because it is all about whatever you want to achieve and so it's so interesting that i had i had that as growing up and then i still have it as an adult um but yeah i i definitely don't think i'd be in this position and be able to do the things i do these days without doing all that work you know growing up as a child you think almost that like mindset and structure was almost hammered into you from the early days of like what it takes to be successful set of gymnastics and the mm. structure routine consistency with training and you probably i think mentally especially when you're younger as soon as you start to see the progression and like the reward process mentally of like okay if i do this consistently i get results you're selling your head it's not even an option that you don't go and train yeah it definitely it taught me yeah discipline it taught me the art of practice the art of skill, how to develop strength, movement, like from gymnastics, I could do any sport under the sun in high school. I was, I did track and field, I did swimming, I did aerobics, I did diving, I did volleyball, soccer, 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 soccer <laughs> hockey. Um, uh, I did everything and I didn't even have to train for it. I just had this base of, you know, gymnastics is, strength, sport, agility, skill. Like it's, it's everything in one. Um, and so, yeah, it really gave me the base or the foundation to pretty much do any, any kind of sport I, I entered into. So think, I was a very athletic child. Do you think from a, a training perspective, because one of the big things a lot of people lack is probably uh, stability, say, for example, in the, the hips and the scapula and like mm -hmm. ability to recruit muscles correctly. I think that's probably one of the things you'll agree is why you were so versatile at so many sports and how you're, you managed to apply that to training so efficiently was because you probably developed that from a very early age. Well, it's funny because, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we get into bad habits, don't we? <laughs> very easily. Um, and something that I'm continuously working on is stability, strengthening uh, particularly the stability in my hips and low and back because in gymnastics, there's always so much extension. In fact, I'm, I can, something that's been, uh, you know, something I've had to work on is being able to fake movement patterns. You know, I've been able to put myself into different movements based 
off all the extension work that I did as a gymnast, which hasn't always served me in some of the training that I've done these days. You know, there's, there's been many breakdowns um, due to being able to fake a movement pattern. Um, yeah, many times. And I've had to do a lot of foundation work. I've, I've constantly have to do, go back and do little niggly bits. I call it ironing out the wrinkles, right? So I'll, I'll work and work and work and I'll get all these wrinkles and things was like the structural, like the structural balance will start to get a little bit, you know, messy. And then I've got to kind of pull things back again. And then I go forward again, and pull it back and go forward. And that's been like a really, really like a cycle of my training over the years. And obviously as we, as we, um, learn and grow more or even get injured, we learn more about ourselves. Right. So injuries are humbling experiences and we can learn a lot from them. And that's all I've ever done. You know, if I get injured, I learn, improve and just go through that cycle. Um, yeah. What's, what's, in terms of injuries, what, have, what sort of issues have you had previously? Anything serious? What's, what's been the biggest thing you think you've learned maybe? Because I think a lot of people, particularly maybe when they're younger, they think like gas pedal all the time, like you've got to go mm -hmm. intensity, intensity, intensity. But in reality, like same, you can't redline a car all the time because the engine will blow up and it's the same with your body. Have you had any issues with, like, with that or anything that's maybe had like red flags go off and you realize you need to almost regress a little bit and then adjust, adjust and address the stability issues? Yeah, I mean, um, when I was in high school, I played soccer and I broke my femur. And I completely snapped it. And I had to have my, um, my leg in a cast for 18 weeks up to my thigh. And I definitely, my, my right ankle has less mobility than my left ankle. So squatting and loading myself up, um, if I'm not working on my ankle mobility, I get a twist in my sacrum. So... I'll get like a hamstring tendinopathy or um, I was getting lower back pain for a while, but now as I've, and I didn't used to do core work. So I had to put in core work and then work on my ankle stability. And then that's been, you know, just something that I keep going in and out of over time um, so that I don't break down. Cause ideally I'm not trying to, I'm trying to stop before I break down. Yeah. Um, and that's probably been, yeah, the, the right ankle and this hamstring tendinopathy, tendinopathy that can show up sometimes um, has been the worst. But I've been, you know, for the amount of training I've done, like I've been pretty lucky. And it's funny, out of the nine years that I did elite gymnastics, the worst thing I did was put my tooth, my tooth through my lip. That was it. You know, it was, I never broke anything. And then I did all these other random sports and I broke my leg and broke my arm. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's all fun and games. Do you break a bone? <laughs> yeah. It's ironic though with some things like I, like the likelihood of you getting injured, I think like for me, for example, getting injured in the gym, I'm more likely, well, I was in Canada recently and I slipped and fell on some ice. Like I'm more likely to like break my leg doing something like that than I probably am to do like training now because it's more of a controlled yeah. environment and I have that. Mm -hmm intelligence now yeah. with knowing when to back off a little bit if something feels a bit bit off because your body will yeah. always be warning signs and um, always 100%. Flags, red flags and you, i think the older you get the more experience you have you understand probably more how your body feels and when something doesn't feel quite on yeah i definitely understand like something i've noticed charlie lately is like 
I, I asked myself, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a bit older. Like, can I really, I'm a volume queen. I can, and I swear that's from gymnastics. I can punch volume and heavy volume. I can redline for a long time. And it gets to a point like recently, I'm like, oh, I should really be doing that. Like, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. You know, like more is not always better. So I've had to really like be care more careful with how much I do now because we ju- I just you know recovery slows down as we get older, right? So um, yeah, that's just something most recently that I've gone. Oh, just because you should, just because you can, does that mean you should? Maybe not. I think it's one of those things I talk about in recovery. It's like training is almost like digging a hole. And then mm-hmm. doing it in terms of the training side, I think you dig such a big hole that by the time you come back to training again, you're only just like starting to get out of the hole again. Whereas in reality, mm. you want to be well clear to that. So um, it's an interesting thing. And I think in particular, probably less at the moment because everyone's travel schedules are less. But I imagine mm-hmm. saying my travel schedule tends to be quite hectic. And that's when I have to really maybe be very aware of how I feel. Because if I feel like I've been drained, probably going into train do. 30 to 40 sets doing legs is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> um, in terms of obviously from, from when, you, when you were younger, one of the big things um, I think had a monumental effect on you is in terms of from a, a food side of things. I think it's mm-hmm. something a lot of women suffer with. Um, you suffered with obviously a, an eating disorder initially. What, what initially brought that on, uh, Hassi? So... Um when I was in high school, um, a friend of mine died of a freak accident. And looking back, I'm like, was that, I didn't know how to grieve. What, like, I feel like, you know, at the time, I just remember kind of being really like, what, like, that was like my first first death I'd ever experienced with someone that I knew. And my initial thought was, oh my God, life can be taken away from us so quickly. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm actually just going to be the best that I can. So the initial reaction was, I'm going to be the best that I can. I'm going to, I was really naughty in school. So I was like, (laughs) I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to sit at the front. I'm not going to talk to my friends. You know, I'm not going to do this till I've done my work. I'm going to, you know, start going to the gym every day. I'm going to clean up my, my diet, knew nothing about nutrition. Um, so that was a, a, uh, something, a disaster in, in itself. Um, and I just started creating all these rules for myself. I was in this transition of trying to be a good student and get really good grades and, you know, be the best person version of myself. And um, I was studying really hard for this one exam. And um, I remember doing the exam and, and our teachers changed for the exam. And this teacher came in and I thought, oh, shit. She was someone that really didn't like me. I was really naughty in her German class. And when I was on detention once, I threw a chair out the window and she caught me. We didn't have a very good relationship. <laughs> and um, she was my, my teacher for that, for that um, uh, speech. And uh, she failed me. 
And I was so upset. And I just thought to myself, I remember so clearly, it was like, no matter what you do, you're not good enough. No matter what you do, you're not good enough. And that just spiraled into this downward depression, which eventually, you know, I started to control all these things and training and nutrition became one of them. With my food, I wasn't allowed to, I started setting rules for myself where I wasn't allowed to eat till I'd done this work. I wasn't allowed to eat till I'd gone to the gym. I wasn't allowed to eat till I'd done this. And I started to have to do more training than what I'd done before. And I started to just eat less. And so I just started giving myself all these rules that in, in my mind didn't feel like an eating disorder. It didn't, that wasn't my problem. It was more a, you're not worthy enough for this. You're not good enough for this. And I almost became my own bully. So I felt like I'd taken on the characteristics of the girls that used to bully me in primary school. And I became that for myself. And it just spirals out of control. And I remember running and running and running and crying because I was so tired, but I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't. And I just wanted to be invisible and left alone. And I didn't want anyone to talk to me. I lost all my friends. Um, and I was super manipulative. I was a complete liar. I just pretty much turned into all the qualities or the traits that I don't like in people. Like I was that person and um, cause I just wanted to be left alone. So if you tried to tell me what to do, it was like, I was just going to rebel against you. It's like, don't tell me what to do. I'm the only person that tells myself what to do. And um, it just got, yeah, it just got totally out of control. How long did this phase go on for and how, how old were you at the time? I was 16 and uh, it went for really badly for two years. Um, I got, ho- I had to go to hospital um, and I remember my mom, she got my family around and she said, you know, my brother and sister, my dad, like Caddy's going through something and we just really need to support her. And I remember just, screaming at the top of my lungs. My mum used to take me in the car down to this water and she said, do what you have to do. And I would just sit there and scream and scream and scream because I was just in so much pain and I, but I couldn't, Let it out, I couldn't get out of it. And it was just like this, this, it was just it had to mobilize this energy in my body by just like, and my mum would be crying. My, my brother and sister were crying. And um, it was a really hard time for my family, but it, it actually brought us all together, which, you know, sometimes traumatic events do. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I said to my mum, mum, I feel like I've got schizophrenia. I feel like, or I'm bipolar or something. I feel like, Mom, I've got these voices in my head and I can't, I can't tell them to stop. You know, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help it. And I never really, I didn't associate myself with the eating disorder. I knew it, I was like, this isn't me. It's like, that's why I was like, I feel like, am I, am I schizophrenic? Is, is it a character in me? Like, what is this? So 
it was actually really lucky that I felt like that because I was able over time when I was in my recovery to disassociate myself from this thing because you know, a downfall with people with eating disorder is that they associate the disorder with themselves. I have an eating disorder. And I was like, I have this thing. It's not me, but it's me. Like it's, it's you know, so over time I was able to separate it. Yeah. It's like an external thing rather than you, you yourself. So take yeah. it. Yeah. In, in terms of the pain thing, did you, do you think that maybe like training now is almost a way for you to alleviate pain and like emotional stress? Like you said before, like, interesting about screaming to get rid of that almost energy and like when as soon as you said that almost like clocked in my brain sometimes that training is almost like the same way of getting rid of that intense energy and focus sometimes whether it be bad energy or good energy if that makes sense yeah i i mean yeah i totally get that i sometimes i feel like you know training is a is a way of yeah moving energy um, you know, if you've got a bad day, you go to the gym. Mm. You have a good day, you go to the gym. You've got great energy, you go to the gym. You haven't got much energy, you make it to the gym and after you've been training for a little bit, you start to feel good. Um, but it's really interesting because, you know, this, when I used to train exercise then, the energy was so different. You know, now I train, training these days is so far from punishment. It's, complete love and euphoria and yeah there's a challenge and it's uncomfortable sometimes sometimes it's like holy shit but you know the the backbone of it is actual self-care it's like no this is this is what i love doing like i literally said this the other day i'm like oh my god i love training so much i love movement like this is the greatest thing our body is the most amazing machine we'll ever get to use but then i reflected on that more and i'm like well hold on it's actually our brain. It's all about the brain. It's all about the mindset. It's all about the nervous system. This body just does whatever the brain tells it to do. And um, I mean, I just, I, I have so much appreciation for my body now. And I don't think I would be in this space or have the relationship with myself I have now without that really awful period. You know, I had to learn a lot about myself, like the internal and external work is never done. It is always a work in progress, you know? And even at 31, I, I love training more than ever. And I've been doing since I was 17. And some people say, oh, it gets boring. And I'm like, no way. Like you get in tune with yourself. You love yourself. You get a good relationship with yourself. Do you know how exciting it is to use this body? Like, holy shit. It is so fucking fun. It's one of those things, I think, more so with the lockdown situation at the moment with people who have maybe restricted abilities to go and train with where, where you want to train with your friends, you suddenly realize how much love and appreciation you have for these things. And um, mm. interestingly, I, I use something that's called the high performance planner. It's like a daily journal. And the mm -hmm. first question it says in it is um, what are you most looking forward to today? And like every day it's like training, training, training. So like the first thing always. <laughs> that's my like, what's it today, Charlie training. <laughs> I might just out the entire year, but it's, um, yeah. Yeah, for me, that's always the thing that I look forward to most in the day. Uh, don't tell my wife. And um, <laughs> I escape from the world and to just like be in tune with myself and the way I feel, my body, and like as I said, like releasing that energy. So it's, I think, and that's the most difficult thing for a lot of people when they're quite new to fitness, perhaps, is trying to mm. fall in love with that process. But as soon as they do, they'll be married to, married to training for the rest of their life. 
Yeah, I know. It's like, I feel for people that aren't willing to give their bodies a chance. Mm. Um, yeah, to, to, yeah, to not be able to experience their body to its true potential because they're too scared to start. And I remember like when I first started training, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, so random and you know we all start somewhere right we all have to start somewhere and i think it's easier to look at people at where they are now like even you and i where we are now we've spent hundreds of hours thousands of days in the gym but we started with never being in a gym before but so many years ago. Everyone starts and beginner. That's the thing people don't think. That's it. We all do. You know, and we all grow and change at different paces. Um, but you'll never change without trying. You'll never change if you don't start. And yeah, I think I think a lot of people underestimate their potential because they're not patient enough. Patience is a part of training and changing our bodies. We have to be patient with ourselves. We have to be patient with our mind. We have good days and we've got character building days, but they all make the puzzle, right? We can't just have one without the other. I think and an interesting thought process that massively. Hmm. Massively. It's um, like, I like to talk about it in terms of like, people only with training only look at, as you said, people are at the top level where where they are now, but do you remember, for example, the first time you ever trained? Like, I remember the first time I went to the gym, I was probably like 15, 16. I went in probably like three, four hours, did like every machine that it <laughs> and then like went out and then I went to like KFC of all places and bought like a load of like chicken because I thought- You bruised? Yeah, that's like literally what I thought you had to do. So I was like, I look back, I look back now and it's comical, but um, did, can you remember your first training experience? I remember like PE at school and like doing the random machines in the gym, but it wasn't till, and it's just so interesting that I remembered all this. Um, and I spoke at this at my seminar is like, I remember, so when I got out of hospital, going back a little bit, when I got out of hospital, I was 17. Um, so I was in there for a good year and a year and a bit. And um, my mom said to my sister, Emma, my sister's older than me. She said, Emma, you're taking your sister out. I don't care if she's underage. She's, she nearly bloody died. Just give her, like, go and experience life. So here I am. I'm like this tiny little thing, like 45 kilos or something. And, um, and I go out clubbing with my sister. And I'm walking down the street and one of the bouncers is like, no, like your legs, like, cause I was, I had muscular legs in gymnastics, but they were just tiny. Yeah. And my calves, he was like, do you train? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he's like, oh, can I take you to the gym? And I was like, sure. And so he took me to the gym and I remember being like, he was like, he was a full bodybuilder. So I was doing like arms and like full bodybuilder bro split. 
And I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. Oh my God, this feeling. And then from there, I started doing my PT course. So my first experience with the gym, like with him, was like amazing. It was like a whole new world that I hadn't experienced. And it was just moving my body in a different way. I remember trying to do chin-ups thinking, yeah, I did gymnastics. I can do chin-ups. And I remember being like, oh my God, what happened to me? But I'd lost all my strength from being sick. But that was like the, that was like the beginning of a whole new phase in my life. You know, because from there I went and got my personal training course and did all that kind of stuff. So, and I, I swear we just used all the random machines. I was, I was using machines that I'd never touch now. Like I'd never, I never did bicep curls or anything like that. So it was a really uh, profound experience actually. Do you ever yeah. wonder how that guy, I don't know if you still speak to him, has completely changed your life from that one, that one moment? Like, like the whole like law of attraction, something's supposed to happen sort of thing. Like you walk down the street, he made that comment and said that to you. Like if he hadn't said that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't be inspiring people all over the world. Do you ever think about that? I think I would have still landed in this arena. Um, Because I remember when I was, a big changing moment for me when I was in hospital was looking around at all these women, these amazing women, and they were just suffering. And I thought, there has to be another way. And that was like a turning moment. I was like, okay, what do I have to do to get out of here? And how do I help? What do I have to do to help women? And that was like the, that was the big moment of, you know, just, I couldn't take seeing other women suffering. I was like, you know what? I'm strong enough to suffer. Give it to me. I'll take the load, but I have to help these, these women. And, um, and then it was like, fuck, now I've got to, get out of this bloody mess that I put myself in. And so, you know, I had one part that was like, got to get out, got to help these women to the other part was like, but I don't want to eat anything. <laughs> so it was like a bit of an internal battle between my eating disorder and then myself, myself energy that my Hattie that was like, got to get out of here. But, you know, without having the Hattie, I've got to get out of here side, you know, I would have made it out, um, you know, like I did. So being in hospital was such a gift in the way that it showed it shone a light on what was happening with other women and that there had to be a change someone had to to help and that was going to be my calling in life um so i'm forever grateful you know for that terrible time i have got a lot of gifts out of it i've learned a lot i've, I've lived a thousand lives from that one um, and it's just, yeah, it's just taught me so much about myself and about women and life. And I don't, I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today without it. Just, do you think it gives you a lot of perspective? And we said those women back then were the real like driving force behind you to almost like inspire and show them how it can be done. Yeah. I just was like, you know, some of those women had been in there for seven years. And I thought, fuck that. Like, one, people are telling me what to do. I don't like being told what to do unless I've asked for help. And I just was like, this is not a way to live. This is not the life I signed up for. So, um, yeah, it was, um, 
And I just felt for the women. I just felt for them. I just, I felt so sad for them, even though I was in the same position. I felt so weird. Yeah. In terms of um, your own personal development, you mentioned there in terms of your training, what were the big inspirations for you? And like, where did you learn what you know now? Who, who, if you had anyone in particular support and guide you through your journey through for the last sort of 10 years or so, like obviously as you've inspired other people, who's inspired and helped you? That's a really great question. I've had a lot of people that have played a huge role um, in my development. Um, I was really lucky that my family have always been really supportive of me. Um, and I was really lucky that um, one of my ex-boyfriends um, who, was, who used to be a, um, a football player, he was really supportive of me. He played a huge role in my journey of recovery um, as a young teenager, um, like a young adult in the way that he encouraged me to say nice things about myself. And that, that opened up the door to the relationship of being able to like myself. Um, I had a really good psychologist that I went to for a period of time, uh, which helped me a lot. And then I was really lucky that I've had some amazing mentors in training. Um, Sebastian Oreb, who was Australian strength coach, you know, when I started training with him in 2014, he introduced me to strength training and strength training was nothing that I'd ever experienced before because it took the focus away from what I looked like to how do I have to perform? How do I have to show up every single week? Well, I've got to beat this, beat this, beat this in these skilled um, exercises, squat, deadlift, bench, chins. You know, it was like, it was just about showing up. It wasn't about the way I looked. It wasn't about cardio or burning energy. That was like a really big game changer for me, um, you know, working with him for so many years. Um, Tony Bataji, who I also started working with, well, a year before that in 2013, um, you know, he introduced me to training really hard and with a purpose. And, you know, I still work with these two people, what, like six, seven years later, um, they played a huge role. Um, in terms of um, other women that really inspire me, I mean, my sister, She's, um, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And she's always just her, just who she is as a person is amazing. Like I always say, when you meet me and you like me, you're going to love my sister. Like she's a better version. She's the, she's the funnier and better version of me. But to be honest, Charlie, I've just always been surrounded by amazing people. And um, my mom, another amazing woman, so kind and caring to everyone, like everyone everyone could be her child. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, there's many people that have come into my life that are incredibly, um, have really helped me with different areas of my life of self-development. Um, and I'm eternally grateful for that. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a prime example of your, the product of your environment and surrounding yourself with 
amazing positive people um if you weren't amazing and positive already we'll make you more so that way so i think you're an awesome testimony to that no thank you um in terms of the training style obviously you mentioning sebastian there who i know is world class at what he does um someone i look to for a lot of information puts out a lot of great uh, content how did your transition for training change because obviously almost merging powerlifting bodybuilding style competing with the wbff could you give mm -hmm. us a little like, insight into how that sort of works and looks because i've had um had some interesting conversations similar to this to be fair with alicia gowans recently which is quite interesting mm -hmm. yeah because she's just started um she was getting ready for a powerlifting comp mm. um yeah as i mentioned so when i started working with bass in 2014 <laughs> it's so funny i remember saying to him I'm only going to squat with you once a week because I don't want bigger legs. Like, <laughs> and he was like, okay. And then within a year I was squatting six days a week, you know, it just went from like one extreme to the other. Um, and uh, you know, I, as I said, I've, I've, I can handle a lot of volume. So working with bass, like I just got addicted to the strength work, but I needed more than just, I couldn't do a powerlifting uh, program. It's not enough volume for me. I had to, I wanted to as well. Do you huh? find powerlifting programs are a bit boring as well? Like it, 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 it can be a bit slow for me. I think. Well, when I first sat down with him, he was like, okay, four minute rest. And I was like, sorry, what? Sorry. Like four minutes. What? Like I was like, looked at him like, I'm not coming back. You're going to sit like, I'm not even doing anything. And then as I got stronger, I, I learned, Oh yeah, I need four minute rest. But we used to combine you know, some heavy, heavy work with circuit work. And as I got stronger with the, you know, the five by five or the five by three or two by eight or whatever it was, eight by two, sorry. The work I, the volume work I did, the circuit work I did, you know, I was doing eight reps, 10 reps with 80 to hundred kilos in a, like, like a, I remember doing like, um, eight to 10 like heavy back squats into chin-ups into eight to 10 deadlifts into eight to 10 bench press into heavy sled pulls and pushes. And it was like, that was, you know, I weighed like, I don't know, 56 kilos, you know, it was just like, it was heavy work, but with volume and like back to back circuits. And I remember, and we started just working together and finding this rhythm with each other. And, um, you know, he noticed that I could hold, handle a lot of volume and I was quite fit. And so we used that. We used that to prep me for shows and to, you know, show, show women that strength training or, you know, this strength training doesn't have to be masculine or you don't have to look thick. Like you can actually train heavy and change your body and look feminine and and still have muscle and yeah just like walk into the room with the boys and like I used to love I used to train with him Saturday mornings and I was like he'd say to me you've got to do half of what I do so if he did 200 kilos on the bar I did 100 so it was like I really got a kick out of training with the boys like I really got a kick out of it and um, I love doing things that other people can't do Charlie <laughs> 
Um, and so that was like a really big driving force behind me. And I remember like coming into preps and I was still smashing like a five by five on 130 kilos, low bar squats and, you know, getting leaner and leaner and leaner. And I would push it till, you know, it was like, okay, three weeks out and things are slowing down a little bit. Um, but that just, it made getting on stage, like it was all about the preparation. It was like, what could I achieve in my preparation? And that's how I continue to do my preps. So I always think, okay, how am I going to push the boundaries this time? How am I going to push my, like, whatever my limitation was, how do I make that bigger? How do I broaden that horizon? What do I have to do? Get rid of the self-beliefs almost. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's like, well, how am I showing up today? Yeah. Okay. I've got to look a certain way down here, but that's, not always my main focus. It's like, well, how am I showing up right now? Because how I show up right now is going to determine how I show up over there. And that's why I love competing. I'm in love with the competing because I love the process. And it's like strength training will always be laced in my, in my preps, whether it's in season or my foundation season, it's always in there somewhere. And um, there's no, there's, there's something that there's something about strength training that other training modalities just can't quite hit. It's just different, you know, getting under the bar and being like, you know, that anxiety feeling when you're going for a weight and you're thinking I it yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> how the hell am I going to do this? And I'm going to fucking do it. Like the, the, you know, even like the psych up and the, you put the music on and like everyone stands around and oh, watches that, and you're like, oh shit, everyone's watching. I've got to get it. <laughs> So, it's like the, the magic time of like, which like it sounds weird that like time slows down like you're going into squat rack and you know especially when you know <laughs> stuff like that and you're like shit this is on like this is going up like whether it wants to or not like you have to yeah me, that's like i don't get the same thing when you go into that set it's almost like it, it slows down it's almost like i can't see anything i always go like blind it's like internal feelings and sensations of how i feel like you could put you could put like a, a flyer in front of me and i wouldn't see it <laughs> yeah far out yeah i mean yeah you've been you've been blessed with that one so um i'm so grateful honestly i'm so grateful that uh i started working with bass when i did um because it just completely changed everything about competing for me it can change it changed everything about training it can it changed the way I saw myself, it changed my overall well-being. It changed how I viewed myself um, in terms of, I was like, now I'm an athlete, right? I want to look like an athlete. I want to perform like an athlete. I've got to eat like an athlete. And at that time as well, I started working with Lane Norton and he um, taught me about uh, macros, right? So that again, we're like that and strength training was like this beautiful netting of just like sealing the deal and just being like, all right, we're in a good net now. We're in a good net and this is the way. And um, it just made me, you know, those two together just complemented each other. And it was all about, all right, athlete, you want to be an athlete? Then like, let's go, let's do this. Let's look at food as neutral. Let's stop these restrictions. Let's, recover let's have off days of training let's stop the cardio let's look after yourself it really was like a a whole new way of being for myself and that's when 
training just got fun. It just became pleasure. You know, so it was a really, uh, yeah, it was a really big turning point for me. Did you find what's very interesting there I took out of that was the, the change in the process to become more performance orientated with your training as a focus probably mentally gave you a huge amount of benefit in taking away uh, that your full association with what you're trying to achieve in life is just the way you look, if that makes sense. So positively from your mindset side of things, that has a huge amount of benefit. So your sole purpose in life isn't just to look a certain way, but you're actually thinking on specific goals for that day of how can I, like, what can I do in my deadlift today? What can I do in my squat? Because in reality, if we, if we focus purely on the way we look every single day, we're not always going to be happy with how we look. And you're, if that's your sole purpose, you, you're never, you're chasing the sunset because it's, you'll always want more. And in particular, like the personality probably similar to you and, and me, I would say you're probably quite type A and that you're very driven and you're, you want to go and achieve certain things that you'll you'll never feel that fulfill, fulfillment potentially because you're always chasing something that's like a moving goalpost if that makes sense yeah i i mean how we see ourselves right our perception of ourselves is often how we feel about ourselves at that time this is why it can change on such a daily basis and i i I would be lying if I said, I don't care about the way I look now. Of course I care about the way I look now, but it's a completely different feeling and it's not my main thing, you know, and I like the, who I am. I like who I am as a person and that blooms into other things, you know, like the way I look is not my be all and end all. And I do the things that make me feel good, which essentially make me look good. And I used to be that person that it, it was just all about the way I looked all the time. And it was <laughs> draining. It was so draining and, and miserable. And sure. I couldn't see the way I looked anyway. I couldn't even see, like, I couldn't see, no matter what you said to me, I didn't agree with you. Like, if you told me I was good, I'd be like, stop lying to me. Like, it was just, it was just like someone would give you a compliment and it'd just be like, I, I just couldn't take it. And I hated that. And I thought, well, wh why do I have to be like that? Like, what is that? And I just had to do some work on myself. And, um, and at the root of it, it was, I was still struggling with liking who I was. I was still, maybe if I didn't, I still didn't have an, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I had a disorder, <laughs> you know, I, I was still working out the relationship with myself and the relationship that we have with ourselves set the tone, sets the tones for all other relationships with ourselves. And it sets the tones for the choices we make, for the goals we set, for the people we hang out, for the information or the social engagement or the social things that we, we look into, right? It literally, that relationship sets everything. And I started to realize that. And it wasn't until I changed the relationship with myself that I became conscious of what was actually happening around me. And that was a really big, again, another turning moment in my life. Do you find that sometimes when you're in that process of being very body orientated, which we all are obviously with what we do, that you can always become a little bit blind to the outside world in some respects, like in terms of like feedback and people giving you, trying to be not generally nice to you. And you're almost just like blanking all this sort of positive feedback potentially. Yeah, I feel like, um, 
I mean, that if we think about when we're in a competition prep or when we're in a dieting phase, we're generally like pretty high. The, our nervous system is like a pretty, pretty rigid, right? Get this thing done, do this thing. And I feel like we're not even in our self energy. We're blended with a, a part of our system, a part of our brain stem that's like almost in like a fight, right? Got to get this thing done. Don't tell me what to do. You know, and we, and we start to look at ourselves and we can't, we've looked at ourselves and analyzed ourselves so many times that even if, even if we did make a slight change, we wouldn't even see it. You know, it's like, you're so used to looking at yourself that we become, that becomes normal. And then everything gets blended or you just, yeah, you just can't see really what's happening. And when someone gives you a compliment, it's like, you think they're lying or something. I don't know. I've just, it's quite an interesting one, but yeah, that's a hard thing about competition prep, isn't it? Yeah, you don't yeah. really see what's in front of you till it's gone. And that's a, it's a funny, same thing where it's like, remember moments in time, you're like, oh, the crap. And then you like, you look back now at the photos and you're like, what the hell was wrong with me? Like, but like genuinely, I, I, I was like, I remember like being like, oh, you're fat. And I was like, and people telling me at the time was like, dude, that's skin. Like, you can't lose that. Like, you're not going to be able to get leaner than that. And I look, look back at it now and I was like, I'll challenge you. Yeah, like, what's this? And I was like, and I was like, I look back at it now and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, how like off the wall must I have been with my own vision of where I was at that time, if that makes sense? It's almost like your own eyes lie to you in some respects. Yeah, well, that's what it goes to like, how you see yourself is how you're feeling about yourself at that time. So if you were, you're feeling fat, so what you saw was fat or something was going on internally and that's exactly what you saw externally. And this is where it's always interesting, like when you're not in that shape or when you're not in that, even in that part or feeling that way and you look at that photo, you're like, oh, the other day I remember looking at this thinking, oh, it was awful. And then now you're like, oh, it's actually a pretty good photo. And like you end up going and put like, as an example, photos on social media that were done like six months ago. And at that time, six months ago, it was like, Oh God, I look terrible. <laughs> and then later on, you're like, Oh, I look really good. <laughs> it's just, and the chat, the photo didn't change. It's just that we were, how we were feeling at that time has changed. Yeah. It's your perception, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, one thing you certainly have had is an incredible mindset. Have you done a lot of work on that? And I know because obviously being within the realms of social media and the pressures that can come with that and being people being after you all the time, like people like me hounding you for podcasts and potentially. Uh, <laughs> pressures of being like wanting to be a high achiever with what you do in terms of competing have you found um a lot of processes to help you improve your mindset do you have like daily rituals or anything like that yeah i i definitely um i've learned over the years that self-care is really important and um so i'm really big on rituals uh, i love journaling i journal every day i meditate every day I do breath work every day. Um, actually, at the moment, since being in lockdown, I go for a walk every morning. I don't go on my phone. It's actually the time where I like I keep my phone on airplane mode till I've done my walk and everything else. So I don't. I say I don't let the world in till my world is full. My internal world. I've done all my work myself. Okay, cool. Everyone else, come at me now. Um, so being in nature is a big one, and then. Um, 
yeah, I've had to do a lot of work on my mindset, obviously since being sick. Um, and I've been working with a neuroscientist actually um, over the last year and she's been doing some work with myself and my, my team in SMP. And it's really interesting because I was doing so many things. Like I realized I had all these parts to myself and I could disassociate parts. And I started to work on what my triggers were and what my behaviors were. I was dissecting all of this stuff, you know, over the last eight years and then bringing that to her, she was like, Oh, you've been rearranging your nervous system. She's like, you've been tracking your nervous system since you had anorexia. And I was like, it was so interesting to, to realize I was like, wow, I started to organize things because I realized like if I was to break a habit, I had to realize, well, what was my trigger? What's my thought process? Then what was the action? Okay. I need to try and break that action. I might have the thought process, but I need to like go off in this direction, like to stop the exercising or stop the bulimia or stop the, you know? And so I was really lucky that I knew that I had to do these things and I, I went to, I wanted to do them myself. And then, you know, having gymnastics that just taught me like discipline and grit and resilience and fall down, get up, fall down, get up. Cause that's what we did in gymnastics. You fell off the beam, you had to get straight up. You weren't allowed to leave the room till you'd done that. <laughs> that backflip on the beam that you just completely nailed yourself on. It was like, no, nah, get back up, no, nah, get back up. And I've been able to use so many of those tools in the work I do now within myself and just being honest with ourselves. Like that is one of the greatest things you can ever do for yourself. Like be honest with yourself. You can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself. You know, people can hear what you say externally, but you hear everything internally. You know, the corners of your brain, you know, everything, right? All the whispers, all the loud noises, right? No one, no one knows it, but you. And that's when I was like, well, what kind of head do I want to live in? What kind of, you know, what, how do I want to show up for myself like internally? And then how do I want to show up for myself externally? What does that look like? What's that relationship? And so I'm still doing work on myself, Charlie. So much work. You know, last year I went through a really tough time and it, it brought to the surface, whoa, I still have a heap of work to do. And it's funny because I felt so lost and I thought, how did I end up here? Like, I, I feel like, how did I end up so lost? But it's also helped me to find other things and to go, you know what? Go do some more work. Like go do some more work on myself. And, and here I am now. So I feel like everything's there for a reason, even if it's really hard. It's never forever. Um, and I always think, you know, what am I learning from this? Rather than why me? It's like, okay, cool. So what am I learning? What's, what's the lesson? What's it teaching me? What are my resources? What tools do I have? Do I have to learn a new tool? Do I have to reach out to something to someone? And um, yeah, that's been quite a quite a journey. Yeah, the journey never stops. Progression. Yeah, it is. It's interesting what you said there because I think a lot of people would probably take a huge amount of value from that because they'll probably look up to someone like you and think, "Oh, Hattie's perfect. She's got a perfect body. She's really successful." X, Y, Z, but then in, in like reality, everyone has their own battles and demons they're always trying to fight. Mm. And everyone has their own challenges. And 
Um, I think some people maybe need to be made aware that everyone has their own things they're trying to go through and they're trying to work on, like as I do, as you do, um, no one's perfect, um, no matter how much we might try. Um, so it's, it's all a process. Something that's very interesting you mentioned there in terms of your daily routine. Do you go for a walk first thing in the morning as soon as you get up and then keep your phone on airplane mode later in the day? Is that to give you like almost like control of your mind in your day? Because I think now with technology, we get bombarded with messages and mm. people contacting us. And that makes you become reactive to the other outside world rather than and almost making you feel like not in control, I think, to a degree. Yeah, it's so interesting you say it, Charlie, because um, I've actually put, I'm actually surprised that that went off. Um, I put all my, took all my notifications off unless it's my planner, like of what I've got to do next. So, you know, like WhatsApp, you WhatsApp me, I have to actively go into WhatsApp and see if someone's messaged me because I was just like getting so many emails and, and just notifications coming in. I was like, oh, I... I can't handle this. Like, I don't want to live like this. And so the first thing I do, cause I, and I was like, I don't want to have coffee first thing in the morning. So I get up, um, I do breathing and the meditation in, um, in like a, literally like as soon as I get up, sit in my bed, breathing meditation, go upstairs, get the puppies. And then I go be in nature. And I just, I just don't put any music on. I don't want to, I just want to feel the wind on my skin and the sun on my skin and, just look at the water and watch the, I get such a kick out of watching the dogs play with each other for some reason. I'm just like, yay. And then, um, you know, when I get home, I'm, I see my girlfriend and, and we have a chat and, you know, when I'm ready, I'll, and I feel ready, I'll, you know, um, put my, my phone off airplane mode, but I can't see the notifications anyway, unless I go actively in there. So again, it's when I feel ready to actively go in there. But I still do feel the pressures of social media at times, you know, especially lately I've been doing story, like just speaking to camera. And that's what I noticed. I was like, wow, I've become really, I was really judgmental of myself. I was like, oh, my face looks funny. Oh, you know, you can't put a filter on that. I was like, you know, I was like all these, <laughs> all these things started coming up and I was like, God, I haven't said things like that to myself in such a long time. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop using filters because I was like, it's such a false, it's, it's such a false um, sense of, reality like I was like I would hate if someone came up to me and they were like oh you don't look the way you do on like I want to look the way I am like so I was like you know what stop using the fucking filters and just like be a normal person and and um just again like just work hard shop for yourself like do the do the work that you that you ask your girls to do that's the biggest thing I was like Charlie when I was getting out of anorexia it was like practice what you preach, practice what you preach, practice what you preach. And like, that was the thing. It's like, I had to do what I was teaching other people to do. Otherwise I was a liar and I didn't want to be a liar. Authentic. And I was, yeah, I was like, you're going to teach someone else about that. Well, you better be doing the work. You can't take someone down a journey that you've never been before. Okay. And that's, that has really helped me again. You know, my own journey, my own self-development, it's the same journey I take my girls through and you know, you have to lead, you have to do the work <laughs> like to really teach someone, you have to do the work. So I'm grateful for all the work that I've done, Charlie, even though it's been very difficult at times and very, yeah, uncomfortable. Today, though. Mm. 
Yeah. We're an accumulation of our actions and experiences. And that's what I say to everyone, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like your, your outcome and like situation you're in now is a reflection of what you've done in the past. So if you're not happy with what mm-hmm. you've done in the past and where you are now, then like you have the action and ability to change that. But you have to take action and do something. Whereas I think in reality, too many people are too afraid to go and try something new and maybe push themselves out of the comfort zone when in reality, that's what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good point to wrap things up there. There was a huge amount of value, I think, in this for everyone, Hattie. I know we, we've rattled on a little bit, but I think in terms of, from an inspirational point of things, from where you came from and like overcoming the bulimia, the eating disorders, your transition through training, I think it's truly inspiring. I think more than anything, it's your mindset. So I think there's a huge amount of value in this for everyone all over the world. So thank you so much for your time. Um, how can anyone reach out to find out some more about you, what you do? be more part of your world um so probably the best way is my um, instagram hattie boydle um you can also check out the sports auto project www.sportsportalproject.com um and also i have the ig sports auto project um on instagram so they're probably my best handles to um contact me or even to you know there's, I'm sure there's a whole lot of people that are listening to this that don't know anything about me. And if they do, they can, yeah, my social media is probably the best place to go. So thank you so much, Charlie. I so enjoyed this. Absolute blast. <laughs> um, I got very jealous when you said about walking outside in the sun by the sea when it's grey and not so nice in England today. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty rainy here today, actually. Appreciate that massively. So for everyone listening, I hope you absolutely love this. Go check out Hattie, give her a follow, check out what she does. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star review. So thank you so much for your time, Hattie. It's been an absolute blast and you've inspired me for the day. Thanks, Charlie. And that was an absolutely killer episode of the Powercast. Hope you guys absolutely loved it. Now I want to fill you in something I put together which is absolutely incredible to help you not just survive during this quarantine, but actually thrive and come out of the situation in your best shape ever. So I appreciate a lot of people are really struggling at the moment in terms of knowing how to train from home, knowing how to stick to their diet when stuck in the house. There's ladies in lockdown, guys stuck in the house. There's a lot of issues going on here. And I wanted to come forward to help you guys and girls come out of the situation as a success. Now, what I have done is completely revamped my world-famous Shrednate and Sculptsnate programs. And what's even more exciting about this is I've given you 77% off on the price of the program. So normally it costs 149 pounds or 200 US dollars. Now you can sign up for just 37 pounds per month or 45 US dollars. And what's better, you can actually lock this price in for the rest of the year to see a new training program and new diet every eight weeks. Now the new versions of the program are fully home workout based, just using your body weight and some basic bands. These will get you the normal world-famous results that you get on Shrednate and Sculptinate, so you come out of this situation in the best shape ever. If you'd like to get involved, please click the link below in the podcast notes or drop me a message with any questions. We'd love to have you not just another client of Shrednate and Sculptinate, but another success story.